Hi, my name is Moshe Kindler, and I'm the publisher of The Jewish Link. Hi, this is Elizabeth Kratz. I'm editor of The Jewish Link. And you're on The Jewish Link Pitch Meeting Podcast. Welcome to The Jewish Link Pitch Meeting Podcast. Okay, we're here with Nathan Diamond. Nathan is the executive director of the OU Advocacy Center. Nathan's also someone I know for at least 20 years. Um, Too many years that we care to recall at this point. <laughs> not sure if I want to get into this now, uh, but I definitely, as I was in Smicha with your brother, okay, but, uh, and, and just in general, we here at the Jewish Link have very warm feelings to the Diamond family. That's so uh, And that may, may, maybe we'll mention that or probably not mention that, but we are really excited to have you here, okay? Nathan rushed here, made a special trip up from DC, uh, or at least made a special trip out to, to our to Teaneck uh, for, uh, for us and it's really all about anti-Semitism, okay? President Biden made this uh, pre-Erev Yantif uh, announcement and they released this document, which you're gonna tell us all about. And Nathan, I believe what I'm hearing is that you were very influential or very involved in it. Um, take us, uh, let's hear, let's, let me hear the, a little bit of the backstory, which I'm sure is probably not, it, no one's read about it. And I'm just, I'm just interested in learning more. Sure, it's a pleasure to be with you. Uh, congratulations on the success of the Jewish Link paper, and uh, I'm waiting for the Silver Spring edition, you know, to uh, make its way down I-95. We did, we, you know, we, we had one, we closed it. <laughs> okay, that's all right. I wasn't yeah. gonna say. Yeah. Um, and and the podcast is very exciting, um, but this is this is I think it's important for our community to take a step back. Uh, and I'm sure we'll get into the nitty gritty. It's a it's a 60 page document put out by the White House last week, yeah. uh, which is very impressive in and of itself. Um, but to take a step back and realize that sadly we're in a time, not just this year, past few years of of a rise in anti-Semitism in the United States, like we've literally never seen before. There have been three violent, murderous attacks on synagogues in this country over the past several years. Actually, right now, as we're sitting here today, the trial for the perpetrator of the attack on the Tree of Life Synagogue in mm -hmm. Pittsburgh is going on right now. Um, and there's been street violence and and and, and everything, uh, and, and, and lots of nonviolent harassment too, but certainly, certainly uh, terrible and, and objectionable. Um, it's the exception in American Jewish life, I think, still, and most American Jews enjoy an unprecedented amount of freedom in this country. Um, but it really was reaching the level where it needed a response. And um, to his credit, President Biden uh, took this on. Uh, past presidents have condemned anti-Semitism and done good things for the Jews. Um, but... Uh, Given the rise uh, and the incidents that have happened in recent years, both we at the Orthodox Union, but also other groups like the Anti-Defamation League and the Jewish Federations, we started a couple of years ago really advocating to the White House, you got to do more. This is, this is really reaching a level where there needs to be more action, more uh, aggressive action. And they hurt us. And uh, I would also say a key player, and we can get into this more as well, um, it was actually Doug Emhoff, mm -hmm. Vice President Harris's husband, um, who is not a religious Jew uh, by any means, but is a very proud Jew. And he uh, has also sort of taken this very personally. And as one of what they call around the White House, uh, one of the principals, i.e. the president, the first lady, the vice president, the second gentleman, um, the fact that he took this on was also sort of a kick in the pants to the machinery 
of government. And do you think? Do you think that him? Because uh, I actually was wondering about this. Because I know I know that I've heard about things kinds of requests made in the past. Mm-hmm. Was he really like the linchpin the, for, for it actually happening? He 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 was definitely a key person in it happening. Um, and by the but but the president President Biden himself also speaks very sincerely about his longtime connection to the Jewish community. Um, and I think it's on his part as well. And um, we, we, we proposed a number of things. But I, I, should, I would also be remiss, also a key player, even though her portfolio officially is overseas, Deborah Lipstadt, who's the State Department Special Envoy to Combat Anti-Semitism. She also obviously played a key role, and, but a lot of people. And so they took this on. And back in December, the president announced he was forming a, basically a working group to come up with a national strategy to combat anti-Semitism in the United States, something that's literally never been done before. Um, and there were a series of, uh, there, there, was a, there was a kickoff meeting, so to speak, that I and uh, maybe uh, 20 other Jewish community representatives across the spectrum of the religious streams, the organizations, uh, we all sat around with um, the people that were put in charge of this, and that was principally uh, Susan Rice, who just left her job mm-hmm. as the president's chief domestic policy advisor, and then a woman named Liz Sherwood Randall, who's the president's homeland security advisor. They were the two people leading the effort uh, on the staff level, and there were um, ten or twelve other staff people in in the White House and other government agencies who all worked on this together. There were, besides that initial meeting, there were I don't know how many. Uh, what they call listening sessions, both in person and on Zoom. They took a lot, a lot of input. We we sent in written memoranda. There were constant conversations, and uh, as you say, uh, last week on uh, Thursday, uh, they released uh, they released the strategy. It's a sixty page document. It's very comprehensive. Um, I just have to ask. Yeah. There's been some talk in the media about yeah. the timing of it. What do you think about the timing? Could it have been timed a little better? Some people are saying that it's a it's a little bit too close to Shavuos. Okay. Well, the good news is people in the Orthodox community know Shavuos is probably our Yom Tov that starts the latest, right? We wait till it's uh, <laughs> well after dark before we really start Shavuos. So if you're going to do it on an Arab Shabbat or an Arab Chag, that was the one that you... Uh, it, it just, you know, if they could have brought it out a week or two earlier, they probably would have. Um, the president actually hosted a big Jewish American Heritage Month event the week before. So that would have been a nice occasion. But uh, the ink wasn't quite dry yet. Um, also, Susan Rice left her position um, that, this past weekend. Uh, that Friday was her last day. So um, I think it's fine that it came out on when it did. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the content is more important than the timing. Let's talk about the content. Sure. So, uh, so I was forced to read this because, uh, <laughs> uh, so I actually managed to get about. I was up to page thirty-five. Oh. So I so, but but that's okay. I did I did, and I read the summary and the highlights. Right. Um, so. The, the, it's it's a long list. That's why I look at it as a kind of a, almost a laundry list. Uh, but but Nate, t- you you kind of tell us maybe pull out mm-hmm. from you know some of the maybe the highlights for our readers, um, just for, for our listeners, our viewers actually. And uh, you know one of the things I was just thinking about it is is it's it's kind of an unfunded mandate, meaning like it's a lot of recommendations, mm-hmm. but it's like you know I want you know just how tachless is it? That's right. what I want to hear from you. Um, so. Just to respond to your last point, uh, I, I think if you, if you look at it, if you look at the document, um, and anybody can, it's, it's on the White House website, yep. um, 
there are there you can break it down into really two parts. One part is things that the White House is saying we in the federal government, in the executive branch are going to do. And by the way, they put deadlines uh, for the things. Um, and then there are things that they're calling on others outside of government to do. They call on you know, universities and colleges to do things. They call on sports leagues to do things and, and so on, the corporate sector to do things, so on and so on and so forth. So yes, you know, it, they, they, they can't force um, corporations and colleges and, and, and sports leagues to do things, but it's, it's, it's the use of the bully pulpit and calling them and trying to cajole them into doing things. We'll see uh, how much follow through there is there. Um, in terms of what the White House has com- committed its administration to do, again, and put deadlines on it, um, they can go and do it. And in fact, they, they've said to, to me and to other like, the same group that was an interagency group of professionals that put the document together are now going to be responsible for executing things uh, within the agencies. So, you know, unless people just ignore what the president, you know, has told them to do, it's going to get done. Um, and, and again, it's what's really impressive about it, again, if you take a step back, is how comprehensive it is, right? You would have thought, okay, you know, they're going to say more money for security grants and more FBI agents and more prosecutors for the Justice Department, but they really went through everything across the executive branch of our government at the federal level. It includes things for the Labor Department to do and the Small Business Administration to do with regard to discrimination in in the workplace. It talks about the Agriculture Department doing more to make kosher food available in uh, federally funded food programs. It talks about what can the National Endowment for the Humanities do and the President's Council on Fitness and Sports. By the way, I don't know what that council does like generally, but if they're going to work on this, you know, that's that's a good thing. So it's, it's um, you know, I think it's very impressive in how broad and comprehensive it is. There are some things that it call that it asks Congress to do in terms of allocating money, in terms of um, dealing with the cesspool of social media and how that fuels anti-Semitism. Um, it talks about things that Congress needs to legislate to make social media platforms more accountable um, for for that activity. Uh, but there's really there's really a lot there across the board and. Uh, you know, besides the fact that hopefully the president and the White House is going to hold his own administration uh, accountable for it, obviously we at the OU and the others in the Jewish community are going to be are going to be doing the same. Mm-hmm. Um, no, thank you. That, that, yeah. that, no, that was good. Um, you know, the, I'm probably interested in a few more specifics, mm-hmm. but to the man on the street, you right. know. I agree. The document's impressive, <laughs> by the way. Is it, meaning, but we've heard condemnations, we've heard commitments. Right. Um, to the man on the street, our average viewer, you know, right. does, and I, and I think the answer is yes. I know the answer is yes, but mm-hmm. is a statement is a, a statement of this kind or a release of a document this kind going to really have an impact in terms of like, you know, like a, a an attack in Borough Park or unfortunately someone walking into a Tree of Life synagogue or Poway or uh, you know, do you think do you think that it's really going it, to it, it's going is it going to be a change? Is what, what can the government really do? So. Look, the question you're asking really is, can we eradicate anti-Semitism? And the answer to that question, uh, I'm not such an expert, but Deborah Lipstadt, who's studied the history of Mm anti-Semitism for her entire career, no, we're not going to eradicate anti-Semitism. As long as there's Jews, sadly, there will be anti-Semitism. But it's about, it's called the National Strategy to Counter Anti-Semitism. And, and I, 
you know, I look at it as, yes, it is going to help the man on the street or the woman on the street. If, again, everything from if there's going to be more security dollars, which they've asked Congress for, as we have as well at the OU, um, that's going to help protect shoals better. Um, if there's going to be, uh, look, one of the things that's in here, is, again, that relates to the Labor Department and Small Business Administration dealing with the business community is we're living in a world in which the private sector workplaces all have diversity, equity, and inclusion training. Um, oftentimes, that doesn't include anti-Semitism. It's about racism. It's about Islamophobia. It's about anti-Asian bigotry, all of which are wrong and, and need to be dealt with. But... Uh, this is, a, this is a whole other discussion, right? Jews are not always thought of as uh, a vulnerable minority or an oppressed minority or what have you, right? We Many of us appear as white, et cetera, et cetera. And the fact that the White House is saying, and they're going to use the Labor Department and the SBA to try to do this, that no, no, no. When you're teaching about diversity in the workplace and when you're trying to combat discrimination in the workplace, that also needs to address anti-Semitism, that can make a real difference. They also, specific, relevant to... Uh, people who are Shomer Shabbos and, and Chagim, um, there's, there are a few places in here where they talk about how uh, employers need to be educated better and directed better on accommodating people's religious observance in the workplace. And uh, I get calls, you know, whenever Pesach or Sukkot fall on weekdays, mm-hmm. I get calls and emails from people um, who are having a hard time getting days off. And this is going to help with those kinds of scenarios. That's not the same as a person getting punched on the street. Uh, because they're wearing a yarmulke or a shaito or something. But it's, uh, it's arguably as important in terms of pushing back on discrimination against Jews in America. No, I definitely agree with that. Having worked in the community for a while, I, I definitely agree that, you know, these kind of things do have lead to impact. I mean, mm-hmm. I think your, your, your whole career is, is really about that, if you think about it. You know, that's uh, in many ways, or the, way, the way I see what, uh, what you've been doing over the last two decades or so. So. 25 years plus. Mm-hmm. I wasn't sure if I wanted to go into the nitty-gritty, mm-hmm. but one of the things we actually like to talk about in the office here sure. uh, is, uh, and I'm sorry that, that our editor, Elizabeth Kratz, is not mm-hmm. here, is, is uh, definitions of anti-Semitism. Mm-hmm. Okay? We've actually written a lot about the IHRA, the mm-hmm. International Holocaust Remembrance Association, definition of, right. of, of uh, anti-Semitism. Uh, I know there was a little bit of disappointment Mm-hmm. With the way this document, this the way the, this strategy recommendation tr- handled that, I just, mm-hmm. I'd like you know maybe educate our viewers a little right. bit in terms of what those definitions are and right. what your take on it is. So, so uh, to to simplify, right, the IHRA or we call it IRA definition of anti-Semitism um, was developed you know a while ago and has been adopted and embraced by. A number of uh, governments of other countries. It's been adopted by something like 30 states in the United States. It has been adopted actually by the federal government, uh, the State Department officially, um, the Education Department somewhat informally. Um, and what's important about it is, uh, besides the fact that it's 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 really become a consensus standard, is that it offers illustrative examples. Um, and some of those illustrative examples relate to the issue or the problem of when does criticism of Israel or criticism of people who support Israel cross the line into being anti, anti-Semitism, right? When is basically anti-Zionism, anti-Semitism? Mm-hmm. Um, and can you hate is can you hate 
Israelis and not Jews, I think is the question. Can you, can, or is or, it something like well, that? Well, yeah. it could be that, or, or when does criticizing Israel, right, right, um, you, you could object to all kinds of policies of the government of Israel and not be an anti-Semite, right? Half the people in Israel object to the policies of the current government of yeah. Israel, and they're not anti-Semitic. But sometimes when you're criticizing, criticizing what Israel does, it's really not about the policy. It's about, yeah, we, yeah. we don't like Jews. Um, and, uh, and again, the OU and I would say the mainstream American Jewish community, the Conference of President Jewish Organizations, the ADL, the American Jewish Committee, so on and so on and so forth, have all embraced the IRA definition and all said to the Biden administration, like, this is the definition you need to have in this document. There were others, including others in the Jewish community on the left, who lobbied against that uh, because they they think that uh, the IRA, in their view, the IRA definition, again, with regard to these Israel issues, is used from their point of view wrongly to silence criticism of Israel. Um, so this is a back and forth and back and forth. Um, and where the document lands uh, is, I would say, um, mostly in the right place. First, like if the if the up or down question was, is the IRA definition in it? The IRA definition is in it. So the people that wanted it kept out, they lost. Um, it says it's the most prominent definition, um, and and it says the federal government has embraced the definition. Um, uh, it does acknowledge that there are other definitions, um, and how much weight you want to put on that acknowledgement, you know, you can you can argue about. Um, but I think, and by the way, there are other places in the document, particularly when it talks about uh, college campuses and students, where it doesn't explicitly mention the IRA definition, but it basically uses its language. It talks about, I can't, I can't quote it off the top of my head, but it basically says, you know, criticizing students or criticizing people because they are supporters of Israel is anti-Semitism. Um, so uh, from, from our point of view, we, we and the mainstream groups won that fight. Um, there are some people out there because everything is political and everything <laughs> has to be a divided opinion. There are some people out there who are complaining and saying, you know, oh, it's terrible. It, it, it acknowledged that there are these other definitions. Um, I think because this is an action focused document, the our, our metric, uh, our measuring stick for, you know, is this successful and is this helpful is. How do these different parts of the federal government implement these recommendations? Um, I think that's the most important thing. In the so you're saying that rec- meaning like definitions can be ignored. It's it's really it's really the, the action, the policy implementation that's it, it, focused yeah, on. The, yeah, and 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 frankly, if it if the IRA definition was the only thing that was in there, and you have somebody in the education department or somebody in the labor department that for whatever reason, does not want to be helpful and does not want to lean into us, just having the IRA definition in this document wouldn't get in their way. And the reverse is true also. Um, So, and again, I think it's important for our community um, to take a step back and appreciate, again, you know, would I have written this exactly how it's written? No, you probably wouldn't have either. Um, That's how things work. Um, uh, But, you know, again, it's it's literally historic. This is the first time uh, the president of the United States and the White House has put out anything like this. You you said, uh, uh, Moshe, you said, oh, well, statements, you know, only go so far. 
uh, statements are important, right? When something bad happens, we want it to be condemned. There's just this whole thing in at, at City University of New yep. York with a terribly offensive anti-Semitic tirade. And now we've got, you know, the CUNY Board Chancellor. of Trustees yeah. and the mayor. And so they're all condemned. Those condemnations are important. Um, um, so I'm not minimizing that. Um, but... but uh, and but 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 action is also important. And so again, the statement of the president and his White House saying in 60 pages, we are committed to fighting anti-Semitism, that is incredibly powerful. And that's never been done before. Ever. Really never. That's it. Yeah. Uh, so okay. So all right. So you're 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 looking at it as really a truly historic document. Historic uh, You know, when 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 they rolled out the document last Thursday, um they did it uh, over video and um they did it from, you know, for people, uh, people may not know, the White House, there's the building, the White House. Sure. Um, within the White House, if you want campus, so to speak, there's another building next door. It's called the Eisenhower Executive Office Building. And that's actually, the White House is actually very small. <laughs> and most of the people that are on the staff of the president are sitting sort of like across the driveway in this, what's called the EEOB. Mm-hmm. And um, back during World War II, um, the federal government in general was much smaller. And that building housed what was known as the War Department. Now it's the Defense Department. The War Department, the State Department, um, and the Department of the Navy. Um, and it was in this same building where this, uh, where this plan was announced. And Deborah Lipstadt, as part of the rollout, appropriately, again, she's a historian by training, appropriately noted that they were rolling out the first ever U.S. national strategy to counter anti-Semitism in the very same building where during World War II, there were bureaucrats who were doing things to deny the ability of Jews fleeing Nazi persecution in Europe from being able to enter the United States as refugees. And uh, she didn't use the term, but I was thinking, yeah, and those people are spinning in their graves right now because in that same building, <laughs> you know, a, an American president and his team are trying to fight anti-Semitism. Um, that's the kind of perspective I think we also need to bring with us. Even if we say, again, there are some specific things here we might like more, we might like less, we might do differently. Yeah. Last but not least, just another issue that came about mm-hmm. is um, the mention of the Council of, of American Islamic Relations. Right. The truth is, before, so they were mentioned in the document, but the truth is actually, well, not in, they're not actually not in the report, just to be accurate. They're, they're, in, a, they're in a fact sheet. Which is actually not the plan, the strategy document, but it's something else that the White House put out together with this. But yes, how do you work with them? I mean, what's your relationship with CIA? We don't work with them at all. Uh, no, they um, and most mainstream, like uh, uh, not just the Orthodox Union. I mean, the ADL and American Jewish Committee. I don't have much at all to do with them. They're they are a, they're a problematic group. Um, they they have positions with regard to Israel and the Israel-Palestinian conflict that we would, uh, and with regard to Zionism, that we would uh, vigor- vigorously disagree with. Um, I don't know why, I honestly don't know why they were included in the, in the fact sheet or in this discussion. Um, you know, they, they ostensibly, it's, they do do things to combat discrimination against Muslim Americans, um, which might be 
perfectly okay for them to do, but no, we don't. I'm actually on their email list. We'd well, rather so, we'd yeah. rather they were not mentioned. I'll just put it that way. Okay, that's and that, that's actually you know when speaking around a little bit, uh, reading a little bit, that seems to be the flavor of the day, which is uh, we don't have to agree with everything in the document, uh, but right. it's it's it stands as as a historic document, and I, I think that's actually a, that's really the kind of the nice uh, a nice takeaway. Yeah. Okay, so what's next for Nathan Diamond and the uh, the advocacy center? Or you don't have to tell me the whole thing. What? What? Uh, just give us a sense of what's uh, anything big coming up on the horizon. Any other? Anything else? Um, out there? Well, look, we uh, we 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 are going to be. We are we are already in discussions with the team at the White House about pieces of how this is going to be implemented. Um, we are uh, as we're recording this uh, today. The the House of Representatives is going to be voting on the deal the president and the Republicans have made about the debt ceiling and about um, limits on the federal budgetary spending, that's, that can potentially have an impact on um, New funding. how much the funding for security grants is going to be that we work on every year um, and other things as well. So we're going to be very focused on that in the coming, in the coming weeks. Um, you could, it's also, it also could theoretically impact aid to Israel, so we're going to have to focus on that. Um, and uh, outside of Congress, uh, we've, met, we've talked a lot about the executive branch. I'll, I'll mention one other thing, which is coming up uh, uh, within the next few weeks. The Supreme Court is going to rule on a case that they have this term, which we were very involved in, about um, the rights of religious people in their workplaces to get their religious needs accommodated. Uh, it's, it's a case involving a, a postman who is a devout Christian and didn't want to work on Sundays, um, and basically lost his job because he, he wouldn't work on Sundays. And this is obviously a very important issue uh, for for the Shabbat observant community as well. So we're waiting for that decision from the Supreme Court. The U.S. Post does the U.S. Postal Service doesn't work on Sunday. Really? Um, mm-hmm. They they had to you know they're not the most fiscally profitable <laughs> enterprise. So a couple of years ago they they made a business arrangement with Amazon. So uh, they do deliver on Sundays and Saturdays uh, as well because they're delivering Amazon packages. Um, <laughs> so that's how that came up. So that's a case. Oh, I think I heard about this case. So that's a case. Um, so he's suing. He's suing to get his job back. He's suing to get for the just to keep his job. Uh, well, he's. I guess he technically he's suing to get damages. But it's the the question is what's the legal standard going to be for um, how far does an employer have to go? Uh, to accommodate, to religious, accommodate religious observance, if you know how, how much disruption to their to their, there should be a reasonable standard. But the question is, how re- what's reasonable? Right. So right now, the standard is like any inconvenience to the employer; they don't have to do anything. And we would like the standard to be a little bit stronger less. than that. Interesting. Yes. Uh-huh. Interesting. From a, yeah. so, but on those kind of issues, you're working hand in hand with uh, with other religious groups always for the correct. Or- sure, we we're working on in multi faith coalitions all the time. I mean, if you look at uh, the briefs in that case, um, I mean, we did our own, but there were briefs filed by, you know, every every denomination of Christianity and and Sikh groups and uh, and uh, all kinds of religious groups as well. Going back to the Muslim community, yeah. um, is there a Muslim version of the Orthodox Union? <laughs> That's what, I, you know, is there some, are there, I know there are Muslim there, there, leaders, there, but there, I don't there, know if there's there a national there are a number of There are a number of Muslim American groups. The one that we've worked with um, uh, from time to time is the Islamic Society of North America. Um, it's not, I think, right. Uh, yeah, yeah they're, they're pretty, mo- they've generally been a pretty moderate group. Um, but, but uh, look, we, we, uh, we have our commitments with regard to Israel. 
Um, some some of the more uh, center center left groups in in the Jewish community have a few other dance partners um, in the Muslim community than than mm-hmm. we do in the OU, and that's fine. Um, but we 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 try to work with you know partners and build coalitions wherever we can. But we have our principles. We have our red lines. We can't cross. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we're almost done. Any any uh, any last minute takeaway? Anything anything you want to tell us? Uh, just as we head to we head to the summer, we head to uh, you, first of all tell us a little bit about your own podcast. I hear you're also doing stuff. So, oh, uh, and, and, even though you just told me you're taking off for the summer, <laughs> but, but uh, let's hear about it. No, yeah, we started uh, a few months ago. Uh, we started the OU Advocacy's DC Schmooze. Um, most most uh, often, we, 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 it comes out every couple of weeks, and people can find it either on our website at ou.org or on Spotify or or Apple Podcasts. Um, it's uh, we started it uh, to enter you know a whole new crop of new members of Congress came in this year, um, and uh, most of the episodes are getting to know you sessions with them and. Uh, uh, what we do, we talk a little bit of policy, but we also tend to talk a little bit lighter, uh, lighter fare, uh, you know, food preferences and, uh, and, uh, cause you just, you just establish a relationship with a lot of these and people and all kinds of things like that. Um, I, don't, I don't even know how you do it. How many, how many new members of Congress are there this year? 70, this year, 80, something like, uh, 75 or 80. How do you, I'm saying like, it's just, you just, I guess you just have to kind of like, pick. I mean, we, we prioritize, you know, uh, members who are, Representing areas where we have Orthodox communities, members who are on committees that uh, yeah. you know deal with the issues that we care about. Um, but yeah, it's it's, a, it's, a, it's always something to do. Um, and uh, but I think people find it interesting because you know there people have a view of Congress or politicians in general that um, you know pe- these these they they get caricatured and they get generalized and they get stereotyped and some of those things are true but sometimes it's interesting to yeah. learn about who these people are and what brings them and i got to tell you though it's, uh, the the some of the some of the members um uh the ones typically who are not jewish um uh they love the word schmooze uh they they haven't come across it a lot uh, they might they come from places where there're not a lot of jews and uh and and they chuckle and they love the word schmooze. So uh, we get we get good conversations. That, that's awesome. That's good. No, that, so I, what I'm going to tell you is, Kane Yerbu, keep it up. Okay, do more of it. Uh, keep uh, keep representing us in uh, in DC. Uh, my last question, which maybe doesn't have to end up being here, is: Are you still playing basketball? I, I have this no. I have this image of you playing basketball years ago somewhere in DC. So yeah, um, no, I think I've reached the age where I should not be playing basketball. I've okay. taken up taken up cycling and so, various other activities. So, so mazel tov on that. I will tell you that, that uh, when I look at a basketball court, I, my back hurts just from looking at one. So that's, uh, that's good. Thank you. Okay. Thank I you. I really appreciate it. Pleasure to be with you here at the Jewish Life. Thanks for being with us on the Jewish Link Pitch Meeting Podcast. If you would like to participate or be in touch with us in any way, please email us at editor at jewishlink.news and follow us and find our podcasts wherever you find podcasts.